All right, take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15, please. John chapter 15, so good that you're here with us this afternoon. We're going to finish our study on how to grow. That was our topic for the last five Sundays, how to grow. Uh, This is not an extensive study, obviously, about how to grow in five weeks, but some spiritual truths about how to grow. Basically, we talked about taking good soil adding good seed to see good fruit. And that is uh, the theme of our lessons. And hopefully you've been working on these things throughout uh, these weeks and that uh, this will continue to move on. These are not things that you do one week and then stop. You keep moving on. You keep growing. You keep working. Every one of us this week need to go back to the first lesson and dig below the surface of our life, make sure there's no bitterness or unforgiveness. Uh, as Pastor Yeomans said today, if you need an outline, I guess Pastor Yeomans is looking. Anybody need an outline? Just lift your hand up. Pastor Yeomans get that to you. Um, Pastor Yeomans spoke up today, uh, uh, problems in the church. You, you can't grow spiritually when there's issues in the church. And so maybe you need to go back and dig below the surface and take care of those things in your life. And so each week we added things to work on. Uh, last week we talked about exercising ourselves unto godliness. I talked to some of our kids today about the illustrations that we've had. So we had week number one, we had work gloves to get into the garden and start digging. Week number two, week number two, what do we have week number two? Anybody remember? The weed puller, the Christmas present for every child, all right? The weed puller, all right? Number three, baby doll. Caleb remembers his baby doll. We borrowed Caleb's baby doll for that, and, and he, we got it back to him. Made sure the diaper was changed and everything was good, okay? And week, last week was, yes. Yeah, I think it was an eight-pound weight. I made it look like five pounds, but it, it was really eight pounds. That was rather Mr. Simmons. We appreciate that. And so we had a weight because we exercised ourselves on the godliness. I'll give you one more illustration today. Those are things we need to keep on working on. This is our last week in this. And then we'll have, next week is our missions conference. We'll have a missions theme. Uh, we'll have uh, Pastor Bowler will be preaching for us. And then the following week, we're going to start another st- a study, another series. And so I'm going to give you that title right now. It is, uh, we're going to talk about strangers from First Peter. Strangers living right in a world gone wrong. And so Peter is writing to people who have been spread out, and they kind of feel out of place. They feel like they don't fit in. They feel like they're, they're just not, it's a difficult time. And through that time, Peter writes to his people, Some words of encouragement and exhortation. We're going to look at how can we live right in a world gone wrong from the book of 1 Peter. So I'm excited about this study because sometimes we feel, we are, we we should feel that way. We're we're, we're a little bit strangers in this world. This world is not our home. We're just passing through, the song says. And the Bible bears that out. We are strangers in this world. Our citizenship's in heaven, and that's where we belong. And so we are strangers. How can we live right in a world gone wrong? We'll start that when we get back uh, to our regular schedule after missions conference. But for now, we're on uh, how to grow. And so we're going to look at beginning the, fir- the last verse of the parable of the sower and the seed. At the closing of that, we're going to circle back around to this illustration of farming or gardening. Mark chapter 4, verse number 20. And these are they which sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. That's, not, that's on your outline, not in your Bible. That's not John 15, just so, just so you're not confused. Mark chapter 4 is on the screen and on your outline. Mark chapter 4. So the last part says, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Have you ever asked yourself why Jesus included those numbers? If you ask yourself, why is there like 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold? Why is there a difference in how much fruit you bring forth? If you have good ground and you put good seed in and you produce good fruit, why was it important for him to say, 
and you'll bring forth some 30, some 60, some 100. It's just a question I've asked myself over the years. Uh, I've asked myself this, how do I become a 60-fold fruit bearer if I'm a 30-fold fruit bearer? Don't you want to bring forth more fruit? If you're going to follow the Lord, if you're going to make uh, spiritual growth uh, an important aspect of your life, don't you want to be a hundredfold Christian? I, I Again, sports is an illustration that we use often in our church because of our staff, but you never go out and think, I, I want to be a mediocre player. I want to be an average uh, employee. I want, yeah, we don't shoot for average. We don't shoot for mediocre. So if Jesus said, you can be a 30-fold, a 60-fold, or a 100-fold, well, maybe our goal ought to be to be the 100-fold Christian. Just thinking about that. So I think the idea here is this, that the, 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 as we clear the soil, as we plant good seed and exercise truth, we will produce fruit, but there's always room for growth. There's always room for more fruit. And if you've been saved a long time and you've been in this uh, Christian life for a long time, there's still room for improvement. This is not a lesson for just our kids and teenagers and young adults. This is a lesson for all of us to produce more fruit. We're going to examine that today, the idea of bearing more fruit. So Jesus uses again the illustration of the garden, John chapter 15. These are the, part of the words of Jesus to his disciples hours before he hits the cross. Okay? So these are his closing remarks to his disciples. And John chapter 15 is part of that. This long teaching time of Jesus Christ before he goes to the cross is found in John chapter 15. Let's read together verse number 1. Christ says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Very clear. Verse number two, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth, notice this, more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth, notice this, much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. More fruit, much fruit. So this passage is about, to his disciples, followers of Christ, how to bear more fruit, how to bear much fruit. So let's talk about this today, bearing more fruit, as we conclude this idea of how to grow. Number one, how do you bear more fruit? You bear more fruit through purging. The Bible says, Christ made it very clear. He made it very clear. Verse number two, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit. If you're bearing fruit, if you're a fruit-bearing Christian, he who, the husbandman, the father, purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. If you are a fruit-bearing Christian, you ought to expect the purging of the Father. That's the way it works. He sees a fruit-bearing disciple, and he trims it. And so I have the illustration today. A 
of these bad boys right here, all right? So these, these are a little bigger than I really wanted, but this is what I had, all right? So these will trim, all right? These are not, these will trim a lot of things, all right? So these will trim. These are pruners. These are to cut off branches and things that aren't growing. So those, that's the illustration today, the purging, the pruning. This is what it's talking about here, the pruning or purging of the father. The husband, the father purges every fruit-bearing branch. So listen, this is not something you have to do. Right? Read the scripture. Who's doing the purging? The husbandman. The father is doing the purging. It's not something that he's calling us, you know, make sure you go home and purge your life. Though the scripture is full of purging our life of sin, but the, the father's in the business of purging. You have to just re- accept the fact that the father is going, if you want to be a fruit, if you sign up, I want to be a fruit bearing Christian, praise the Lord. Guess what's going to happen? The Father's going to purge. Sign up for it, accept it, receive it, and move on. He wants you to produce more fruit. He loves you enough not to leave you in mediocrity. The coaches that are the best coaches do not leave their, their players in mediocrity. Well, it was, it was, I think it was Tom Landry, a famous coach for the Dallas Cowboys, said that I make my players do what they don't want to do so they can achieve what they want to achieve. The Father is going to purge us so that we produce more fruit. I don't know if you're very excited about the fact of being purged by the Father, but sometimes I'm not. Purging is cutting away. Purging is painful. And so the Father says, I will purge you to produce more fruit. How will he do this? Well, look at our passage here, verse number 3. Now ye are clean... Through the word which I have spoken unto you. Interesting, in the Greek, the word purge in verse 2 and the word clean in verse 3 are from the same Greek root word. How does he purge? How does he clean? He cleans through his word. He purges through his word. This, he uses his word to cut away. It's, it's the sword. It's sharp. It, it divides our soul and spirit and joints and marrow, discerns the thoughts and the intents of your heart. The word of God purges. Now are you purged. Now are you clean through the word that I've spoken unto you. He uses the word to purge us. The Bible is clear in other passages that we'll talk about in our James study in small group and in 1 Peter, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. We believe that the Bible teaches that God uses trials as part of the growing process. We don't like the trials of life, but as part of the husbandman, the father, lovingly purging our life. Have you ever asked yourself when going through a difficult time, why? We all do. It's hard not to ask that question. When you receive the medical report, when somebody passes away, it's, so, it's hard not to ask the question, why? Well, I don't have the answer to that. But part of the answer could be that the husbandman is purging you, and he wants you to go through this so he can purge you. It, it wasn't your decision. You didn't bring it on yourself. The husband allowed it into your life to purge. The husband will do the purging. The father does the purging. That's part of the answer. The husband is is pruning the branch so it can bring forth more fruit. Not something you uh, need to do, but something you need to accept and yield to. The father is purging. A a life of fruit-bearing means a life of purging. That's how it works. You want to be a fruit-bearing Christian all your life? 
except the fact there's a life of purging that comes. Because, I mean, it's pretty clear. Read it if you, for yourself in the first two verses. It says, the, the husband will purge every branch, every branch that brings forth fruit. He'll purge it. So there's purging coming. So what should we do? We need to yield to the hand of the husbandman. Just yield. Is, is, is there a difficult time? Are you going through something? One pastor said this way, stop asking why and start asking what. Why is this happening to me? Well, he, he wants to purge you. So what is he trying to do? What is he purging? Stop asking why and start asking what. Let the Father purge. Do you want to be a, 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 a 30-fold, a 60-fold, or a 100-fold? Well, as a fruit-bearing Christian, the husband will purge you so you bring forth more fruit. Look down at verse number 5. Actually, let's start at verse number 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, so more, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me ye can do nothing. You bear much fruit through abiding. I'm not sure why the Bible uses more fruit in the first verse, the second verse, and now it uses more, uh, much fruit here. I don't know. But more fruit through purging, much fruit through abiding, abiding, abiding. What does it mean to be an abiding Christian? The word abide in the Bible simply means to remain or stay. There's no real deep meaning to the idea of the word itself. But I think it talks about intimacy. If you're writing words down, here's a good word to define in, uh, abiding. Intimacy, intimacy, to spend time on a personal level. This personal walk with God that we talk about, we need to experience. And so abiding simply certainly means to have an intimate time. Do you have a time and a place? I was challenged years ago by a preacher at a youth conference. Do you have a time and a place where you meet with God? And I've tried to abide by that and abide with Him in a time and a place. When I go into a room, sometimes I even shut the door. You know why I do that? In my mind, I, I almost every time I do it, I quote the verse, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. I just think of that verse. And I, so I go into a room and I shut the door, and it's me and the Father, and we're abiding in this intimate relationship that we have that nobody else sees, nobody else knows. It's just me and him. I, I don't need to share all the details of that relationship because it's intimate. It's personal. And there are things I talk to him about that I don't talk to anybody else about. Because it's my God and me in an intimate relationship. I'm abiding. I'm doing my very best as a piece of dirt that he's formed and breathed into my nostrils, the breath of life, to, to come into close contact with an eternal being. I'm trying to abide with him. I don't even fully comprehend what that means. How do I abide with a person I can't see? It's tough. But I do it. And, and I feel and I sense his presence at those times. Haven't you? Don't you daily want to feel that abiding? It's an intimacy is a word that we would think about when we think about abiding. Verse 5 makes it very clear. Abiding has to do with not only intimacy, but dependency. Without me, ye can do nothing. The branch needs the vine. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm the vine. I'm bringing you all the nutrients. There is no fruit bearing apart from the vine. You're just a branch. You cut that branch off, no more fruit. 
You don't abide in me. You don't stay connected to me. There is no more fruit. You want to abide. You want to bring forth much fruit. Get closer to the vine. It's dependency. Without me, ye can do nothing. Look down your Bibles to verse number ten. The Bible says, Jesus says, "If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love." even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Abiding here is tied to the idea of obedience. What is abiding? Well, it's intimacy. It's dependence. It's obedience. It's kind of a vague word. Like, I'll abide with you, Lord. What does that mean? I want to be intimate, dependent, and obedient to the Father, to Jesus Christ, His Son. I need this time daily moment by moment in my life of abiding with the Lord. So I gave this definition, I think, on your outline. Abiding a prolonged and personal dependence that leads to loving obedience. A prolonged and personal dependence that leads to loving... I, I, I shortened it just the other day. I was thinking through this. Maybe this is even more concise. Lasting dependence producing loving obedience. It's just a long, my life is dependent upon the Lord. I served my life to the Lord when I was 17. I'm now 52. Those years have been years of dependence. I'm going to give you a newsflash. I didn't choose St. Thomas. I thought I wouldn't. St. Thomas is a nice place. God chose St. Thomas for me. I depended on him. Oh, I'm so glad that I did. I, I met all of you. I met my wife here, and I, you know, I have a family here, and I, I can't imagine going anywhere else. So I'm glad that I obeyed the Lord as a, uh, as a 22-year-old leaving my country of uh, the U.S. and coming to this country. I, I did that out of a dependent obedience to the Lord, abiding with Him. Lasting dependence producing loving obedience. You bear much fruit through abiding. You bear more fruit through purging. Take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Hey Jackie, in behind the welcome desk is that book that you got for me. I left it back there. Would you get that for me? I forgot something. John chapter 12, verse 24. Verily, verily, Christ said, truly, truly, this is something very important. It's, it's true. It's a fact. I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. How do you, how do you bring forth much fruit? You bring through, forth much fruit through dying. Through dying. You know, Jesus Christ spoke these words in John chapter 12. He's really thinking about his death. He's talking about himself. If Jesus, Jesus is saying, if I don't go into the ground and die, there is no salvation. You're on his mind as he says, the corn of wheat must go to the ground and die. And if it dies, much fruit. You are uh, the direct result of Jesus dying to himself and dying for your sins. You are the fruit. That's what he's saying. Look at verse uh, number 23. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Then he says, Except the corn of wheat die. He's talking about himself. But then he, verse 25, he's talking about the life of those who follow. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it 
unto eternal life. Mark 8, 35 says it this way, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospel's the same shall save it. Are you willing to die to self? Are you willing to sacrifice your life? You bear much fruit through dying to self. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul says, I die daily. It's a daily death. Galatians 2.20, we're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm dead. It's Christ living through me. If you want to bear much fruit, there's got to be death to yourself so that you can be alive in Jesus Christ. It's all about full surrender. Give me your life completely to the Lord if you want to bear much fruit. Maybe you're okay with saying, no, I'm okay to be a 30-fold Christian because I'm not willing to sacrifice my life. I got, I got dreams. I, I got plans. I, I got things. I'm not willing to, to give that all to God and let Him do whatever He wants with it. I'm not okay with that. I struggled with that as a teenager until finally I had a moment at a time of full surrender. And still, we have times in our life where that full surrender is not so easy. He calls us to do things that we don't want to do. I put a quote on there in your, in your notes from Ian Thomas, The Indwelling Life of Christ. We read it as a group of men. Dying to self is a wonderful position to be in because dead people cannot die and dead people do not have problems. <laughs> so simple, so true. Like if, if you're dead... To self, ain't my problem. Not my problem. I, I didn't plan. I, I didn't plan this week for me. I plan on having surgery. <laughs> I didn't plan that. Is that my problem? Well, not if I'm dead to self. I'm not. It's not my problem. I just had to go with the flow. I just had to accept that as maybe it's the Father purging me to make me better. Trials will make you bitter. Or better, right? You've heard that before? <laughs> it's so true. Trials make you bitter or better. It's a pruning. Will you die to self? I asked Jackie to bring this book for me. This is my yearbook. 1985, baby. Page 28 here is classic. There's a picture of Mike Holland. Pre-contacts. Pre oh, yeah. It's, it's, you, won't, you won't see it, but it's a treat. I didn't bring it for that picture. In this book are the lists of all the seniors. This is actually my brother's graduating class. So my brother's three years older than I am. I was in grade nine. He was in grade 12 from this Christian school that we went to. So by the, we all have our pictures in there, but the seniors get a picture and a verse next to their name. And so there's a guy in here that uh, I knew quite well in high school named Dave O'Brien. No one here would know that. Ruthie would know the name if she was here because he grew up in the same church. Dave O'Brien was my brother's best friend in high school. Uh, and so he hung around us a little bit. Uh, I knew him that way. He actually, one of my first jobs was vacuuming uh, restaurants on the midnight shift on Friday and Saturday, and Dave O'Brien was my boss. And we would go, he'd pick me up, and we'd drive there and do that Friday and Saturday nights. And so I knew Dave quite well. Dave surrendered to preach. Uh, Dave won the preaching competition in our church. Uh, Dave was a good athlete. He lettered in three sports. Dave was uh, 
pretty popular with the ladies at the time, I guess. I didn't, I didn't care at the time, but he guess he was pretty popular. He, he was a good guy. Everybody liked Dave O'Brien. And Dave surrendered to preach and decided that after uh, high school, he was going to go into the military first for a few years. And they had some good benefits with that, would pay for college later on. And so he went to the military for a few years. And he did well in the military, actually was over in Europe and got into like some uh, very tight uh, areas as far as uh, like um, security. So like he had some things that he couldn't share even what he knew, right? He was, he was up there in the Air Force, actually. And Dave came home and he had some problems there in the Air Force and, and he had some mental issues and stuff that he suffered with that he eventually brought him home from the military. And he came home and he didn't come back to church. And here's this guy who had a, a lot of uh, promise and a lot of... Uh, goals to preach the word, but he didn't come back to church, and, and he just stopped coming to church altogether. And there was a Wednesday night, I think it was a Wednesday night, but my memory goes back, and, and his brother was coming to church, and his brother said, I think Dave might come to church tonight. I, I talked to him, he might actually come to church, and I've really been working on him and trying to get him to come back to church, and, and so Dave didn't show up to church. But I think it was that night, or at least that week anyway, that Dave had gone to a place in Cleveland called the Flats. The Flats was an area by the Cuyahoga River where the bars were. Dave had been down there drinking and, 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 and you know, doing things that he ought not do as a Christian. And uh, he got into some kind of altercation. We don't know exactly what happened. But he was either pushed or jumped into the Cuyahoga River to either avoid a fight or in a fight. We don't know exactly. This is the story we got. And we believe that Dave hit his head on something. And they, they raced to him. They got him out. They raced him to the hospital, unconscious. Uh, Dr. Thompson raced to the hospital to be with the family. And Dave passed away that night. It doesn't really bother me. It's just, you get emotional when you preach, believe me. <laughs> it's been a long time ago. So I'm not that emotional about Dave. I mean, Dave made his decision. And Dave, I believe, is in heaven with the Lord today. I believe he was saved. I believe all my heart. I believe he just got away from the Lord. But the key, the thing that always reminds me of Dave is in this yearbook next to his picture, you want to guess what verse is written next to his name? Except the corner we fall to the ground and die but by his love. I looked at the pictures. There's other guys, other verses, I think, that aren't living for the Lord. I think, man, what if, he, what if that life verse came true? What if that life verse came true? You bear more fruit through dying. Again, we're not talking about physical death, but spiritual death, death to self. You want to bear more fruit? Purging. Accept the fact that the Father is purging. Yield to His hand. Let them make you better, not bitter. Abide. Living dependently, not independently. Living a life of dependence and obedience in this intimate relationship with the Lord than dying to self. Fully surrender your life daily to the Lord. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And as you work in your garden of your life and you pull out rocks and you are careful with those weeds of the cares of this world and the riches and you, and you try to plant good seed and like the milk of the word and as you exercise yourself on the godliness, God's going to purge you. You need to abide with him and die daily to self.
and you'll produce more fruit and much fruit.